Welcome to another episode of the Total R&B Podcast. My name is Lorena, and today we have another amazing guest with us. You know, I've been doing my research, I've been reading articles, and a lot of people are saying, you know, rising producer, but you might not know him, but you definitely know his music. So I'm not going to say rising producer. I'm going to say mega star, super producer that we have today. That's what I'm going to say because, listen, he's worked with some of the biggest names in Soka from Kess to Masha Montano to Destra, Lyrical, uh, Our City, Patrice Roberts. Everybody has worked with him. He is an amazing producer, and now he's made his way over here in North America, mainstream. You could catch his productions on Sierra's latest EP, CC. So welcome to the podcast, Casey Phillips. Thank you for having me. What's up? What's good? Everything's great. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, I'm excited, too. So I'm always like you know, sometimes surprised when I like see these people that are coming and want to do the podcast or say yes when I like make a request. So I'm always grateful. And your work has been amazing. I've been listening to your music for years. So this is a, this is a treat for me. It's it's always funny to, um, when we do some of these interviews, I, I think I'm coming in to talk about the hip hop stuff. And then everybody's like, oh no, I actually know your Soka songs. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll no. take that. Yeah, because I'm I'm located in Montreal and we have like a big Caribbean community. Okay, okay. Ever since I was a kid, like going sneaking to those parties, like it's always soca. Like we've always played soca. Here we have like carnival here. It's not obviously it's not as big as Trinidad or even Toronto. No, but but I heard I mean I heard it's still it's still dope. Yeah. So I've I've grown up in it like it's a part of our culture here. So yeah, no, I'm definitely familiar with your music. So this is amazing. That's great. So it should though, be interesting. Yeah, no, we're gonna mix. I'm, I want to talk about both uh, of what you have going on in the past and present now. Okay. So on this podcast, I always start it off when I have like a new guest. I always ask the same question to start it off. So if you could tell me what is your first memory of R&B music, like what comes to your mind? Ooh. first memory of r&b music now uh, full disclosure being in the caribbean i would have i i don't think i really grew up on the classics so my classics would be a little more recent um damn what do i say is my first memory boy to be honest now i i think this might this might be funny I think I really started to get tapped in from Brandy Boy's mind. Now, now I knew it before, but my mentor worked on that, and that's when I really started to pay attention. So I would say Brandy Boy is mine, or even Brandy Angel in disguise. So Ooh, it's like... Classic. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it may not be the classics, but I- I'll say those two. Yeah, but you can't go wrong with Brandy, because Brandy makes classical music anyways. So. Exactly. I'm a Brandy fan, by the way, if you didn't know. So there you go. There you go. You you got it. And I'm guessing that you're you're looking at these songs more as in production, I would assume. Yeah. So the boy boy's mine, my mentor Dexter, he mixed that. So that's how I got tapped into that. Angel in, I think he mixed Angel in Disguises as well. So it started from the Sonics and the mixing and the engineering, but then the songs, the songs are great too. No, definitely. Oh, I love that. Okay, so we're going to go, you know, back because I've, of course, I've been doing research and I've read your your bio and everything. And um, 
one of the things that I saw is that you produced your first track at 10. Yeah. That's crazy. Do you remember like how that came about or do you remember the kind of, yeah. Um, I think so. So my, my dad is a producer, guitarist, um, engineer himself. I was born pretty much into the studio, learned everything from looking on. My parents supported me to do that. And I remember that song coming about because this group, I think they just showed up at the studio okay. one morning and my dad was talking to them and was like, yeah, we sing and we want to do a soca song. And I guess my dad paired me with them and was like, hey, work with these guys. And I worked with them and did that song. That was my first song. I think I was about 10 or 11. And and it and How it came out dope. Were they were they like older? They were adults? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they were they were grown men. Um, at that point, and yeah, that was one of the. I think I think my dad used that as a way to give me a project to do. Like you, you you champion this. Like you you take this, and yeah, that ended up being my first song. I think they shot a music video. It was and it it, it, it did it did well actually at that time. That's dope. That's. Cause I would think like most like 10 year olds, like you're just playing around with stuff. I remember like when I was around that age, I had a guitar, but I wasn't like taking anything. So right. Just, you know, in my room trying to figure it out, but I wasn't thinking like, yeah. So I was born into the studio and my mom and dad met in the bank. My dad left the bank to, to, to do the studio at home. So I guess the support was there from young from both my mom and dad. And I would just crawl into the studio and look on and learn. So yeah, I would go to school and make sure because my mom made sure and be like, yo, you need to go to school and do your education. But as soon as I left school, it was home, studio. Let me go in the studio and see what's going on. I mean, yeah, now and again, I'll go, you know, ride bicycle, bust your toe, fall down, play football. But it was really studio. It was a lot of studio. Yeah. I love that. And then I also read too, um, sometimes your dad, like, I guess in that instance too, when you were 10, but when you got a little bit older, he would let you, you know, take over the sessions instead of him going. And so that is how you built your trust with a lot of the artists. Yeah. And it was funny too, because I know a lot of people tell me, oh, you had it easy because your dad set you up. I was kind of, I was like, yes, I know. But some of these artists, when they, they come in and they have no filter. So they're like, where your dad? In Trinidad, where your father? I was like, he's sleeping. So who running this session? Um, me. You sure you know what you're doing? Yeah, I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and and before you know it, by the end of that session, they don't want to work with him anymore. It's just, they were like, yo, yo, Kenny, we'll work with your son. We good. What um, did I think about that when he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm losing some of my artists here? Or was he? I think he was out? glad at that point because he was kind of transitioning. Well, moving away from certain clients and, and I guess getting tired and getting older. And he also was transitioning into the business side. He now runs a radio station. So it was kind of like natural progression. So, and also he was going more to Calypso okay. and I was coming in and doing the Soka stuff, which would have been the the young, fresh Soka energy. So he was kind of glad to kind of start doing this, this, this separation, which I think naturally happened. So it was cool. It was cool. It was kind of, it, it it worked itself out. Okay. No, because I always like, I heard you tell that story, but I'm like, I wonder what his dad was thinking. Like, was this like in his mind? Like, this is the plan? Or was he just. I like, mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was smooth as ever because we did have certain songs that we didn't agree on. And I remember certain projects where it was like he would work on it and I'd be like, nah, 
I don't like this. And, and he would get upset. But I guess it was just the natural progression of realizing and recognizing one, but um, also just just being a part of seeing where I think this was when the sound of Soka and Calypso was changing and it was splitting. It was like Calypso was being this way. Soka started to take on its, its own new light. And so it had a lot of <laughs> a lot of points of contention. It was like, I don't like how that song, that not song and cool, and I'll do it my way. And he's like, Well, all right, okay. And he go on and he storm off. And but it was cool. It is all it's all part of, of, of learning and, and growing. No, for for sure. Especially when times are changing too, to adapt to the new way exactly. of sounding or even like um like all the different tools and stuff, you have to like learn how to, you know, go with it. Yeah, track. exactly. Okay. And then so I know now um you working on Sierra's EP, uh, CC, you worked with uh, Teron Thomas. Yes. So how did you guys connect? Uh, so this story is always funny. And I only realized it like a few weeks ago while doing an interview. I was like, yo, it's actually Soka that brought me to the Sierra album, which, which is which is funny to say. So we did a song, Cheers to Life. I don't know if you know Cheers to Life by voice. Yes. Um, my younger brother actually produced it, and I and I finished it. We co-produced it together. Chest to Life, Chest to Life was actually the B side of our other song, which was Cohen Dubois and Patrice Unforgettable. That was the main song we wanted to oh, do. Okay. The voice thing just happened to happen. Um, I think my brother sent it to Voice. This time, Voice was was fairly newish, and Voice tried something, and I was focused on Cohen Dubois and Patrice. I was like, "Yeah, this is what we're doing." And he's like, "Yo, Voice have a song." Kind of like it. I say send me it. I hear it. You know what? We'll try it. And we end up doing A and B. That's Two songs good. on the same beat. And Chase to Life went berserk. <laughs> like, out of here. Forget about it. So, that song got really big. And then fast forward, I think Timo, Timothy, Tyrone's brother, because RCT is two of them. He reached out through one of my boys from VI and was like, yo, we want to jump on Chase to Life. Now, Full disclosure, and I don't think I said this on any interview. Our city, Theron Thomas and Timothy Thomas, mm -hmm. by extension, Ray Daniel, shout out to the team. Growing up, they were like, and, and they still are, the example for us from coming up as young musicians in the Caribbean game. They were the guys that figured it out. They got it. They were writing pop hits. They were, they were doing, at this time, it was Pussycat Dolls, Jennifer Hudson, um, Rihanna at some point. So we used to, I used to listen to all their stuff. Like, I'm an I'm a RCT fan, right? I know their discography of, of all their songs. That I didn't know them. So it was like, oh, RCT? Okay, cool. So when I get that call that they want to jump on Chase to Life, I'm like, hell yeah. Because my boy don't know how much I'm, I'm a fanboy, right? I didn't know them. Hell yeah, sure. So they jump on Chase to Life. We put it out. Cool. Started to now build our relationship with Timothy at first and doing more stuff, you know, staying in contact. We did, we ended up doing a whole Soka project with our city. Um, I don't know if you know Fetu. Fetu came from that project, yeah. right? Amazing song. That's from, that's from that. And along the way, I would always kind of whisper in the air, like, yo, you know, I, I really do R&B and hip hop too. You know I mean? Yeah, Soka is cool. And that's why I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Love it, but I kind of want to do this too. And I don't know, it just didn't register at first because I remember Tyrion actually telling me, he's like, oh, oh, you want to do this? I'm like, yeah. 
He's like, oh, I thought you're good with your soca thing. No, 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 no. I want to do this. So I had to just keep reminding them. And then the opportunity came with the Sierra stuff. He's like, yo, we're going in to EP this project in November, I think, or December. And there's the direction and send me stuff. And I left Trinidad because I was home at that point saying, hey, I just need one on this album. Whatever happened, I just need one song. That will change my life. Just one. And ended up with five. Yes. So, <laughs> so it's 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 been crazy, and I mean, now they are that's my partners, that's my friends, and it 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 is always be this surreal full circle moment where I just be like, wait, a decade ago I just sit down looking up to these guys, I didn't even know them. Now I could pick up the phone and call Tyrone and Timo and be like, yo, we're going on and talk shit. Is this is wild sometimes to really just just think about it. Those are stories that I love hearing. Because you never think like being a kid or whatever, just, you know, in your room looking at the credits or knowing who produced or who wrote the track. And then down the line through your hard work, you get to actually meet them. It's, to be honest, it's for the last two years, it's been happening almost every other month. Oh, wow. Like, like, like stories like that. I, I worked with, I happened to be working with one of my friends, um, Steve Octave. And I have I have a playlist, right, um, for Joshua Tree when I go to the desert. And then have, like, Alex Isley, Love Again, um, Good and Plenty. I mean, I'm sure you know these songs. Masego, Mas Bliss Abroad. Some of these songs on that playlist, because I listen to specific music when I'm there. Yeah. So I'm working with Steve. Cool. We talking shit. Da, da, da. And he started talking about Alex Isley and Masego. And he said something about Love Again. And I'm like, wait, hold on. You do love again? He's like, yeah, I co-produced that song. I'm like, dog, what are you telling me? Because I listen to that song religiously. And then he's like, yeah, I do Bliss Abroad too. I'm like, nah. I was like, dog, get out of here. Playlist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of it. And that's been happening a lot as, as things start to progress. I'm like, wait, you work on that? Oh, shit. So it's been, it's been interesting. Oh, that's beautiful how things are just aligning for you. But um, I did want to talk about that because if anybody has not listened to the EP, please go. It's on all streaming platforms. You could check it out, CC. And so, like you said, you're on five of the seven songs. Yeah. Which is a big deal. So you're on... Oh, huge, huge deal. Yeah. With Chris Brown, which is big. Uh, type of Party, um, Forever, which is another single that came out with a video with Lil Baby. Two in Love, and then Winning with Big Frida, which I love that song. So you said that you just wanted one and you came out with five so is it something where did you work in the studio with them or did you no no so i think this the process for this was really different um we sent the tracks in to 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 rct tiran and the team he went in with cr and they did everything like okay. they they wrote to the shells of the beats recorded okay. all the vocals did everything and i think when i came back to la which was when I said I just need one. I had no idea what was going on. I just sent the beats, never looked back. Hope, fingers crossed, cool. So I think I landed here in January because I came for like Grammy time for some something, I can't remember. And he was here and he's like, yo, let me pull up to the studio. I'm going to play the album for you. We finished. I'm like, we mean you're finished? Yeah. He's like, yeah, two weeks, we, we're done. We record everything, it's done. All right, cool. <laughs> I don't know which, I don't know what songs get used yet. And he brought everything to me. I didn't I didn't know anything. It, it was two weeks. They finished 11 songs in two weeks. So <laughs> um, he brought it and played it. And that's when I started to hear the project. And he's like, okay, here are these files. Now you need to finish them. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? What? 
yeah, they need to finish. I mean, we we do what we could do with, with the shells of the beats, but the beats have to finish. Some of them need to knock harder, whatever. We just need to finish. And I was like, okay, so you're entrusting me with all of Ciara vocals and files. All right, bet. Let's go. <laughs> and it, it, it was wild because I would sit down here editing vocals by myself in this room. I'm like, what is happening? What's happening right now? Because this is Ciara vocals you're editing. And I had to kind of like, a few times, well, I had to pinch myself and be like, wait, you, you, this really happening, right? All right, cool. Let's just put your best foot forward and just make it happen. Um, so that's how that process happened. And then we just sent stuff back and forth and get the approvals or changes, whatever, whatever. And yeah, and, and that's the ones that went off to mix and finalize. Wow. And has it really like sunk in like now that, you know, the world is listening to the EP. We have videos out, videos with Chris Brown, videos with Lil Baby. So, yes and no. So, so this is a funny story, right? This was done three years ago, by the way. Now it's three years. So imagine, and, and just let me just put this in context, and this is not to talk shit, but imagine having a Ciara EP on your phone for three years and you are walking around with it on your phone right here. And you just have to be like, oh, yeah, it's coming out soon. <laughs> this is going to change my life. But you know what? I have to wait. So it's coming out soon. So it was, I mean, it, it was kind of bittersweet at, the, at first because it was like, we've been waiting on this. Mm-hmm. But of course, when it comes out and you see all the visuals, the music video, even all the stuff she's shooting, I call her content queen because it's just like every week is something. I'm like, well, when, when were y'all doing this? I guess that's what we were waiting three years for. Um, so it's amazing to see the rollout and the response and how how far it's gotten uh, with everything. This, I mean, now we're top twenty five on Urban, which is crazy. I hoping and praying for top ten and and then number one once we could do that. And yeah, I it's I make the joke with all my friends, but I'm a US top twenty five producer now. <laughs> I guess. <Okay>. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> No, but that's amazing. That's something um, that's just like wonderful. And and it's it's exciting to see, you know, you put all this work in from like 10 years old or even probably before then, because 10 is just when you did that track. So you've been doing this from. Yeah, definitely. To all the way till now. And it's even something, too, because you had to leave home. You know, I I was just going to touch on that. I remember a lot of my friends when I was leaving, they're like, wait, you move into to L.A.? I'm like, yeah. They're like, why? And for me, when I when I'm focused on some, I only see that goal. I'm like, but what? How can you not see? They couldn't see it, and they're just like, you leaving your family and everything to move to LA. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Why you not understand it? Because for me, I I I can't understand that side. Yeah. Uh, now I get it, and I understand now. But it's like, yeah, I had to, I have to go. And a lot of them, when when the song dropped, a lot of them came back and was like, bro, you really said you're gonna do this. I was like, but. So wait, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't believe me when I said it before. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I understand that. I understand now it makes sense, but it's like, you thought I was lying. You thought I was joking. No, this, this was the goal. <laughs> yeah. But it's not something they see every day. Right. So now I get that. Now I understand that. I'm like, okay, you know what? Yes, it is. It is an anomaly. Like just to pick up from a rock of an Island, a dot of an Island Trinidad to just move to Los Angeles. It's it's not an easy feat for anybody to just do that. Now I get that. But for me, I'm so one track mind and it's like this has to happen. <laughs> um, which is a blessing and a curse sometimes. 
But is that something that you get from like maybe your dad or your mom to have that kind of like vision and discipline to, to you know? Get- I don't know. Somebody asked me that recently and I don't know. I don't know. Um, I would actually, you know what, thinking about it now, yes, because my dad and mom met in the bank and my dad did leave the bank to build a studio at home, which people told him was crazy. And that was successful so i so yeah now thinking about it yeah i guess i guess it is i guess it is uh, in in some way i guess that the, the root and the core of it is taking risks yeah, big risks so i do oh and i wanted to ask too on the the ep do you have a favorite track that you did or are they all like you know, um so two in love was always my favorite is always still my favorite but I actually really like Be Right Back. And I didn't work on that song at all. <laughs> but yeah. when I heard it, I was like, oh, I kind of like this song. Um, but two, yeah, Two in Love, Two in Love is my favorite. That's your favorite one. Okay. I just, I, I'm always curious to see, especially if you have like more than one. I really like Forever though. Forever is a vibe. But, it is a vibe. But Two in Love is, is my personal favorite. Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to know that. Um, but yeah, so um, what was I going to say? Because the first time, I think it's the first time you came to LA was for the internship with Dre and Vidal. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. you did your research. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I want to know because a lot of people, especially here in Canada, like we have that same um, maybe issue. There's only so far that we can go here, um, especially when it comes to like, I guess, urban music or what have you. So a lot of us want to make that leap to like Los Angeles or a New York or what have you. So for that internship, like how did that opportunity come about? And then what did you learn from it? So that came about originally, shout out to Simon, Batista, and Carolyn Page, Question Mark Entertainment in Trinidad. They managed a, a group of artists at that point. I want to believe Kess was 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 under them, um, and they always try to find ways to progressively push the music forward. So they were bringing up a bunch of us to LA to network and see see what what could happen. At that time, we were trying to get on EA Sports FIFA because FIFA was kind of one of the only things at that time that would license music like ours, Soca, because you know FIFA was kind of world mm-hmm. world centric kind of sound um so we came for that and we were doing some meetings and it just so happened that i just i don't know how this happened we, i think the person we were meeting from ea sports happened to be at this studio okay. Dre and vidal I, I think that's the story and we went there and we met them and i guess after meeting them and 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 working for a little bit they're like yeah y'all could come y'all should come and do an internship we're gonna do this house in la and it'll be a bunch of us and blah 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 and we were like all right cool so we went back home saved up for three months to be able to survive in la um after the third month it was rough it out but (laughs) um yeah we we came did the internship for a year learned a lot we kind of saw the good and the bad of 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 both sides a lot of bad a lot of good and with learning those things took some of the things we learned back to trinidad Mm -hmm. which is like a songwriter model and 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 patterned a lot of that into the soca game and that's what gave precision a lot of the success because now we were presenting full songs completed to artists because before artists would write their own stuff 
now we're coming and saying, hey, we have these demos for you. You could purchase this or you could do this. You could sing this. And yeah, that that kind of snowballed and just catapulted the brand forward. And Precision became quickly the, the number one lead in a production house in Soka. I remember 2013, everything, every barely every single release was was a hit as well. That was I was here with Bacchanalis, Bottle of Rum, Mr. Fett. It was ridiculous. That's the glory days, I call it. <laughs> um, but it took five years of that and learning that, building that up to now return to Los Angeles. Because I always, going back home, I always said, yo, I need, I need to go back. I need to go back and do music on that side. Um, I think at that time, I think the seasonal thing with Soka was starting to irk me because we'll make a lot of money coming to the carnival season but then after that it's 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 silence and i was like nah this can't work i need to expand and and just move beyond just our borders of trinidad and yeah that was that was the plan and moved seven years ago and been figuring it out in la uh pandemic happened so we lost like two years <laughs> yeah and yeah and then I guess this Sierra EP, I couldn't ask for a better introduction into everything. It was like, it's it's so funny. I, I built this studio during the pandemic, which was a nightmare, but great. And I always said, I always told myself, you know what? I have to, I'm going to start from zero because I'm building a studio coming in here. Nobody knows me. Soka doesn't matter on this side. So I'm coming in here on zero and I'd say, you know what? I have to start from working with C artists building up to B artist, and then eventually I'll reach the A artist. That was my, in my mind, I was like, cool, we're about to do this, it's going to be start over. Nope, the universe had a different plan. It was like, oh, you think that's all going to happen? Just hold these, hold these three A artists here and, and, and take that. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're here. Um, so so that's, that's been a little surreal. And just, just building off of that and, and riding off that wave now. So how, because... Like you said, you moved from Trinidad to L.A., so that's like, you know, different culture, different way of doing things. Then, of course, you mentioned the pandemic, which had everybody like standing still. You couldn't do nothing. So I can understand like you go through those waves of things happening and then things stopping and not happening how you planned. So how do you stay motivated to keep going? Because, I mean, you could have packed it up and been like, let me go back home and then. Well, I, I always tell my friends and my peers, I'm like, going back to Trinidad is not an option. Moving back home is not an option. Whatever happens has to happen. <laughs> Be it whatever. I'll have to drive Uber or, or, or DoorDash or something. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, if I have to do that, then cool. Um, but yeah, going back home is not an option. Uh, during the, Well, so luckily enough, in building the, the, the brand home for the five years before i came back i started to build a catalog of streaming so all these songs we started to own the rhythms and started to focus heavily on streaming because i already saw that streaming was the way so uh, in that trajectory of building streaming when the pandemic happened it didn't hurt as much because this was on autopilot to some degree not saying it was making millions but to some degree it could help float now, of course, a lot of things shut down. Um, Carnival was was paused for a while, so no work was coming in like that. But at least this was kind of helping. And then streaming actually went up in the pandemic. So that was good. Um, but it was bad for the studio because I was building the studio. Everything went up 
there was a nightmare. Shipping was delayed. Everything was delayed. So it was kind of like, it's kind of like good on some sides, bad on some sides, but it worked out. And how did you get so involved in like the business side of it? Because a lot of times, you know, we do things kind of, I don't know what to say. Like we don't do it the proper way. Like there's no, there's no contracts. There's no, because no one taught us how to do those things. So how did you get so like business savvy? I, I, I always tell people I'm fortunate enough. I'm blessed enough to not be a full creative because I have friends who are full creatives and I see what that is like and they ignore everything business. So I think I'm a hybrid and I always liked business in school. Um, So I think that's one of the reasons why for some reason, and and, and I probably have to say my parents, I always wanted to innovate. I never wanted to be, I never wanted to follow. So even in Soka, I would be, all right, we'll do the first lyric video or we'll be the first one to send our emails this way, or it would always be something. Um, So yeah, with that would always be, I want the brand to be at a certain caliber of business practices, be it contracts or being professional or efficient. So I was always trying to be, I guess, on cutting edge of, of those those things. So yeah, it was just it's just something that I I, I strive to, to I strive for. Excellence okay. in business and, and I don't want to be ever looked at or talked about to be like, ah, that person Casey Casey's do bad business, boy. Nah. I mean, not everybody will love you, but mm-hmm. at least they could say they serious, they're professional, they mean business. So it's just always been it's always been uh, something I strive for. And that does make a difference, especially when it, like building relationships and stuff like that. Like you said, not everyone's going to like you for whatever reason, but yeah. they can't take away that you are professional and that you exactly know, all those things. And another thing that I loved when I was like looking things up is that everything that you learn, you always bring back home or you're pouring into others, which I think is really important. Like you had that mentorship, but you always are mentoring other people um so i did see on the precision website like you have uh friday beats live yeah tomorrow yeah yeah so if you could tell the people like well about it like what it is and then why is it important to you to like mentor others so it came a point when i guess in in precision and the brand people would keep hitting me up and asking questions all the time Hey, how to do this? Or a new producer would be like, yo, I want to learn how to do this or what I should do, how to get in the game. And I'm, I I was always one that was shy. I wouldn't talk a lot in public. And because all these questions started to come in, I think it sparked something. And at the same time, I don't want to take full credit for that. At the same time, one of my friends, well, my dad's friend in St. Lucia, he was like, hey, I do this little workshop in St. Lucia, the government helping put it on. I, I want to bring you to teach. I can't pay you, <laughs> but we will fly you and we will house you and you could come and teach. And I was like, you know what? Let me think about it because I don't teach. I can't talk in front of a class. So at that time, I was like, all right, let me figure this out. And I was like, you know what? Hear what? Can you, since you can't pay me, can I fly a marketing person to come with me and let's make this into a thing? Okay. They're like, yeah, sure, we could do that. I was like, okay, cool, we'll do it. See that and we coming out, huh? I said that's the business side, always well, for sure, out. for sure. Because if you're not paying me, I gotta, I gotta make this into something, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we made it into something. We developed the syllabus, 
posted up on social media and made it into something bigger than it was. Now it was still great for them there, but we made it into something. And then when we did that, all the other islands started to ask about it. Like, hey, we need this here. We need this here. Uh, pretty much the syllabus was, this is how Precision does it. And we're going to teach you how we do it. Be it from production, editing, relationships, working with writers, mixing, mastering, marketing, the full layout, we're giving you the full blueprint. And it was like four, five days, I think. Okay. I, I can't remember. I think the St. Lucia one originally was shorter, like two or three days. But yeah, that's what it started as. And it just ended up being this workshop. And I ended up doing five locations. But it was cool because I was meeting, meeting fresh new talent, mm -hmm. giving people a platform to stop asking me this stuff and just come and learn it in one, one go. And it was building a community as well of musicians, artists, producers, you name it. And I was giving back. Um, yeah, if, if I could inspire one new artist or one new producer to be like, hey, this is what you should do, then cool. I serve, I serve my purpose in this workshop. So yeah, it, it was it was interesting. And I mean, full disclosure, it was not... Yeah, I tried for it to be a money-making venture, but it wasn't. Um, at first, it, we had to front a lot of it lost money a lot of times but i think the relationships that we built doing it was way more valuable than than what it is and i'll give you a, an, another full circle moment okay. type of party is co-produced by flow beats who is dwight florent from st lucia who was in the first audio essentials in 2018 so again you see what i said it, it's way it the, the money wasn't worth the money wasn't great but the relationships that came out of it mm -hmm. was way more valuable so that's just to show you. And I only just, I only, I'm only now saying it like that for the first time as, as, uh, as I'm framing it that way. <laughs> but see, I think that's a part of your story too. You have all these plans, but then God's like, uh-uh, no. It's going to Yeah, I, I never saw myself being a teacher, teaching mm -hmm. music. Like, I don't, I don't talk to people in, in public. I mean, now it's different. I was way shy before, but yeah, it just happened that way. And also too, I realized when I got up on stage to teach and it was something that I knew it was way more comfortable. I could I could prattle for, for years about this, but ask me to go and talk about something I don't know or not sure about. Nah, <laughs> it ain't happening. No, I, I feel you on that. It, even for me, it's taken, it's been a long road for me to get here. So Right, right, right. No, I get it. Trust me, I get it. You, you don't want to meet Casey at 15 years. I didn't speak at all. <laughs> No, I feel you. I could definitely relate to that. But that's so dope how you had that full circle moment. And then you're also getting to see a lot of the like rising producers and artists and you're paving the way for them, too, because even the stuff that you're doing, like moving here, uh, even creating your production company and all these different things that you're doing, like how you're looking up to our city. So many people are going to be looking up to you and be like, oh, there's another way to do things. So, yeah, within the last... I would say this year, I, I think I really settled on on that being one of my poop poop like that being my purpose, one one of them. And it was just being able to be one of the examples to say, hey, we could do this. Um, our music, our talent, or everything is good enough. Cause I think we have this this um misconception back home that our our stuff is not good enough to compete on a world scale oh, and for me for me i'm seeing it and living and breathing it a hundred percent like it is mm -hmm. we just have to want to do it and have to push towards it 
which is part of the problem. But <laughs> it's just kind of paving the paving the way and setting the example to be like, hey guys, we could do this. And by the way, if you want to do this, let me know. Send me stuff. I I I'll, I'll work with whoever. You you ready to do this? Sure. Okay. Send me some stuff. And that's been my my mo now because I learned a huge lesson with this album, which is collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff that I sent in, and that's why I ended up with five. I sent forty three beats. Forty three of them. I want to say ninety percent of them were coll- collaborations. Had I sat and did all myself, it may have just been ten. Mm-hmm. I would have ended up with none. So it was a huge lesson for me to learn. Okay. Collaboration is key, because you know, coming up, coming up in the soccer game, we have this weird culture of I'm in my own pocket here, and I need to do everything myself, and nobody should know, nobody should involve. I need a hundred percent, and now it, it's it's changed completely. It'll be like, okay, cool, this coming up, all right, cool, let me call the team, let's figure this out together, and everybody, everybody eats. Yes, I I love all of this because I think it's so important, um, not only in like Soka, but there's so many different other like places where like black people are and everybody wants to, you know, do things on their own, push people out. Only a certain group of people are like getting towards like the money and different things. Yeah. And I find like if we collaborate together, then, you know, we can all get. Well, well yeah. And, I, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot of layers, but I think. Not getting precious about what we make is a huge lesson I had to learn. It'll be like, okay, I send this beat and I send these stems, but somebody might delete the drums and do over all the drums and change this and move that. But guess what? We all work on it. Yeah. And vice versa. Um this one, this one I'm still I'm still soaking in, uh, which is you know, as a producer, we feel that um we need to produce. And if I don't produce and I don't do all these orchestral arrangements, I didn't really produce. And I'm learning that it doesn't matter. <laughs> so like how we roll, I didn't do a lot, but I, I changed some stuff that was valuable. Yeah. For me, I always felt like, mm, I didn't really produce on that song. You know? But when in the grand scheme of things, when I talk to people, they're like, oh, you changed that and you put that? Yeah, you co-produced it. Yeah. So that's something that I'm still learning myself where it's like, yeah, I have a part to play in it. But, you know, I didn't do all the drums and the this and the da 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 da. So it feels like, wait, I didn't really do that. But oh, no, I did. <laughs> Man, so many of us do that, too. I don't know why. I don't know if it's our ego. I don't know what it is. But a lot it's a lot of, of layers. It's a lot of layers. Yeah. No. Yeah, I feel that, too. So now that this EP is out, um, it's doing well. Is there anybody else that's on like your wish list that you would like to? Oh, you you don't you don't want to see my wish list. No? <laughs> it's so it's so wild. Um, cause my my ANR asked me for for that, and I sent them. My PR agent asked me, and I was like, I hope you're ready for this wish list because it starts it starts at Brandy, Alex Isley, but then it could go to Troy Boy, um, Kromanichi. It could get really le- electronic, like Rufus the Soul, but then it could go to Pharrell and Drake. It, it's it just all over the place. But that's just me. <laughs> but that but that's what I was gonna say. Like if you just have a love for music, it's not gonna stick to just one genre. Exactly. Exactly. You're gonna hear things in different genres and you're gonna, you know, get attracted to that and you're gonna wanna, you know, tap in. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. But so far, the names that you put out there, 
that's dope because I love Alex Isley, Brandy. You For know, sure. Love. For sure. Drake is amazing, of course. I'm a Drake fan. Yeah. So Not a shame I, to say. No. no. But I mean, but at the same time, I'm a Katronada fan. I'm a Troy Boy fan. So, yeah, it, it, it's... I, I would probably get as excited as if it was a Drake song that I worked on. If I did a Katronada song, I'd be like, holy shit, that happened. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, but I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, with the way that, you know, your trajectory of your career is going, like, I won't be surprised if in three months I see something pop up on your social media page with one of those artists. So that's 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 the goal. And I, I just hoping and praying and staying focused to, to push towards that. But that's the goal. That's oh, it's goal. definitely going to happen. So I'm excited for you. Um, anything that you could tell us of like what you have going on next? Um, I can't tell everything, but there have been some, so along the, along the journey, because again, this was three years ago, we did this. I signed a new publishing deal with Sony and been starting to meet a lot of different folks. So we have some sync stuff coming, um, in a really, a really dope, um, show, um, in America, we have some sync stuff coming, but I met a bunch of New Zealanders been working with Sam V Eddie, actually Eddie coming in two weeks to do some more work. Um, mixed a lot of Jess B's album. You should check out Jess B from New Zealand. She's she's dope. She was here last night. Okay. Uh, mixing Blackie's project, Blackie from South Africa. I've been, I, I don't know how this happened, but I've been working with a lot of that side of the world. All of a sudden, it just it just happened. Um, Blackie's, Blackie's about to, to, to be released in America, so that's dope. Okay huge on that side uh working with glenn glenn lewis oh my god listen (laughs) i know that i know that one would i get you (laughs) (laughs) i love glenn lewis oh my god okay so we're about to mix glenn lewis project that's coming i don't know if i'm not if i'm supposed to say that but we'll see um and then we have we have some little secret ones inside there, which which I hope they they materialize them to what it needs to be. I mean, we have more R City stuff coming. Actually, we have a mixtape coming at the end of this month. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, middle of this month. They have a drill mixtape coming, which which is different, but it's cool. So that's coming. Oh yeah. Okay, so you, you're putting me on to some new artists, which I love because I love like checking out people that I don't know and like right, right. bring artists. So I love that and Glenn Lewis, oh my God, I'm like dumb excited for that. So thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. The Glenn's project is is, is sounding really interesting because it's it's bringing his style from what he did, but now making it modern. So it's 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 good. I think the the mature R and B grown folks gonna really appreciate it. But as well, there's some songs in there that that the youth's gonna love. Okay. Ooh, I'm so excited. I'm excited for you. Congratulations on the thank you. Tony as well. Thank you. Thank you. A great thing. Okay. So before I let you go, we're going to make like a little soundtrack. I'm going to, you know, put out some different moods and you're going to tell me which R&B song you would pick. Okay. Let's slide in a soca tune if you want. I'm not. I'm not. Ah, Perfect. Okay. You know, let's see how this goes. Okay. So the first one is what song would you pick um, that always puts you in a good mood? I feel I might go with um I'm gonna get different ones on purpose. Okay. <laughs> I'll go with a Troy Boy. Okay. Um Troy Boy I L Y. I L I. Um I think I like it. 
yeah, let's go Troy Boy. I like it for now. Okay, for now. All right. Um, what song would you play to turn up to? Ooh, turn up to. Uh, I would say a Drake. Drake song? Okay, which one? Um, Ida Galchester or the song with him and Griggs, I think it is. I don't remember the name right now, but yeah. I know. I think I know which one you're talking uh-huh. about. Yeah. So bad with names of songs. It's really bad. Okay. Um, what song would you play when you're in love? You might like this. Um, Mario, Music for Love. Ooh, that's a good one. I love that song. That whole album is really good. You know, I never heard the album. I just know that one because Tyrone and them wrote it, but I'll check it out. I'll definitely check out the album. Mario's Go album is really good, but that is one of like the best tracks that, that's on there. Um, So the next one is, uh, what song would you play when you're going through a breakup? Breakup. Hmm, what's even my breakup song? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why this came to my mind, but the Keisha Cole. Okay. Um, you know the one with the long note? Oh, oh, I don't know the name of it. Yeah, it's love. Oh, it's love? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that feel like a breakup song. <laughs> okay. No, it's a good one. It's a classic, too. Exactly. Okay, next one. Uh, what song would you play when you're getting ready to go out with your friends? I mean, this is similar to the Drake. Um... Going out to get ready. What would I play, boy? What would I play? Because you see, the thing is, these things change so much because it depends on what's out. And I might I might resonate with something else. Well, let me see. What to get ready. I'm thinking because I need to check my playlist. I don't remember all these things off the top. Oh. Actually, you know what I really like? I like um K Trinada's Wild Side remix. Okay, yeah. That's a good one. That is a good one. Um, what song would you play uh, when working out? Probably something Kendrick. Okay. Um, Ida, or probably All Right. I'll say All Right. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a good one. Um, what's a song more people should know about? Oh, Victoria Money Moment. Okay. That. I'm so excited. I'm going to see her this month, actually. So. I, I heard the show is crazy. Yeah, so I can't wait. But she's she's another uh, really good artist. So yeah, no, I like that one. Um, what's a song you would play that reminds you of summer? I don't know why this popped in my head, but I would say Omi Cheerleader. Okay. Okay. And then the last one, uh, what's a song you would play during the Christmas holidays? Christmas? Oh, I'll give you, I'll give you a funny one. And maybe you might know it or not, but just because I'm from Trinidad, um, Scrunter. We'll play a Scrunter. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is Trini Christmas songs. Um, which one is this Scrunter, boy? Eat Something? Yeah, Eat Something, Scrunter. I hope I get this right, because they will, they will blaze me. But yeah, Scrunter, Eat Something. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look it up. If, if I have to correct it, I'll put it in the notes. Okay, yeah, that that's that's the epitome of Trini Christmas. <laughs> okay, dope. Okay, well, thank you so much for creating this soundtrack with me and sitting here with me, speaking with me today, taking time out of your day. I really do um, appreciate it. This, of was course, thank you for having me. Treat for me, so thank you. 
Um, let the people know where they can follow you to keep up. Sure. Uh, all social media, Precision Productions. My personal IG is Casey underscore Casey. Casey Phillips on IG. But yeah, Precision Productions, you could find everything there. Um, of course, we have Friday Beats Live now, which is for all the musicians, artists, songwriters, producers who want to learn. And yeah, I have a little cool little Zoom class going and the guys come and we make beats, we talk, we, we, they ask questions, I mix songs and show them live. That's really cool. And that seem, they seem to enjoy that. And yeah. Dope. Well, thank you so much again. And congratulations on all the thank you that you're having. I'm truly happy for you. I cannot wait to see, you know, the stuff that's coming out in the future. So I'm me too. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I want I want to see what happened next too. <laughs> well, I'm always here cheering you on. So thank you again. Thank uh, you. I appreciate you. Of course, this is the Total r Podcast. Again, my name is Lorena. We are a bi-weekly podcast. So we will be back in two weeks with a new interview.